What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. Make sure to follow on Twitter at Rosvogel Report and on Instagram at Big Easy underscore Big Apple. I'll hit those, uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram usernames in a little bit uh, and get to those. But let's talk about the big news involving the New Orleans Saints. That's Drew Brees coming back for year 20. He announced on Instagram. Uh, on Tuesday afternoon with the caption, my feelings about the 2020 season. I look forward to the grind and the journey for the reward at the end will be worth it. Love you, Houdat Nation. Let's make another run at it. And at first, you're just excited and, and just, you know, the idea that I'll come back for a 20th season and maybe this is the farewell tour, all that. It feels good. And then the second part's like, well, you know what? Let's make another run at it. Can the Saints do it? So I'm going to break this into two different parts as I usually do. First part, I'm just going to break down what this means for the Saints, what it means for Teddy, what it means for Taysom. And on the second half of the show, let's talk about this Saints team, what they'll need to improve and for them to make a run and potentially have a storybook ending where Drew Brees retires as another, you know, as a two-time Super Bowl champion, which would be uh, a Hollywood ending for a guy who's really had a dramatic and not dramatic in a sense that he over-exaggerates things and um, is, you know, out of line. Um, dramatic in the sense that he's had a very sad story um, and has dealt with a lot of adversity and climbs over it and gets past it and puts together Hall of Fame numbers. And obviously he will be in the Hall of Fame when his career is done. So from starters uh, perspective here, let's just talk about what it means for Drew Brees. You know, going to be 41, well, is 41, going to be 41 the entire season. Missed five games last year. And I said myself, I thought he looked fresh because he missed those five games. Now, I think you can make an argument that the 2018 season, he was injured in those last couple games, banged up his shoulder, and maybe that's what affected his production. And if that's the case, then you can make an argument that Drew Brees really hasn't shown signs of slowing down. Is his deep ball not as effective? Absolutely. Um, but is he still deadly from 15, you know, 15 yards out? Yes, he is. Is he one of the most accurate, if not still the most accurate quarterback in the NFL? Stats would say he is. Um, is he smarter than ever at the line of scrimmage? unfortunately for opposing defenses because they have to face him, he is. So it's not like Drew Brees isn't effective. He's still one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football. Is Drew Brees going to absolutely just every single week will you to win? No, because he's 41 years old. But are there, there going to be times where in a two-minute drill, you're watching him you know, be an absolute surgeon and picking apart defenses, and you're just fortunate you have him? I kind of think so. Um, so overall, I think it's just a big win for the Saints. It's a big win for football. Football is a better place when Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and those quarterbacks are there. Um, people could say whatever they want about getting out with the old and in with the new. If the NFL doesn't have Brees or Brady this year, you would see, I'm not saying the ratings will take a massive hit, but you will see a difference. Um, I think you can argue that ratings on Saints games aren't as great because I don't know if the Saints get as many primetime games without number nine. As for you know the Patriots with Tom Brady, if Brady's gone, that's a big hit for them. So um, I think the NFL is a better place with them. 
it does seem like this might be Breeze's last go at it. And if it is, everyone should just sit back and enjoy and whatever happens, happens. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting. And I'm just happy. And I, I, and I, I think it's fair. Um, and it's only right for me to go back on an old stance I had. So after the Vikings beat the Saints, I came on the show and I said, and I'm not going to run from it. I literally said, I am totally okay with the Saints moving on from Breeze. And I think this is the time where they should do it. And then once you get out of the anger of losing to uh, the Vikings in the first round, once you put that to the side, once you watch, uh, rewatch all the games and see how Breeze played and take into account how well he played against the Niners defense that led them to uh, a Super Bowl appearance, um, how well he played against the Colts on that Monday night when he broke the record, um, how well he played in the second half against the Titans, a team that made the AFC Championship game. And then you sit back, you slow your rolls, and you say, I overreacted. And I think that's part of being fair with you guys is being honest and telling you when I believe I made a mistake. And I think that would be me making a mistake. And now I do think losing Teddy stinks in the sense that he's a great person and a pretty good football player. um, And he's only 27. But I think at the same time, if you're asking me which one at this point now with my head clear and and my mind straight, I'd rather have Breeze because there's just one, there's the nostalgia factor to it. Two, you would hate to just kick him out the door when he can still play. And three, for next season, if you're asking me who's the better quarterback, Breeze or Bridgewater, I still think it's Breeze by a really good margin. So I think that's fair. At the end of the day, the guy threw for 27 touchdowns and four picks in just 11 games. Really efficient, really accurate with the football. Doesn't really get much better than that for this Saints team. Um, so I love it. Now, let's move past that. Let's move past the you know overreaction I had in January. Let's move past what Drew's done because Drew's still doing it. What does this mean? For Teddy Bridgewater. Well, it basically means his departure. And I think that's the sad news that comes with the good news. You're happy that Breeze is back. You're sad that Teddy has to go. The question is where? And I I told you guys on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I was going through every team and I just couldn't find the one where they made the most sense for Teddy Bridgewater. And I think part of the reason why I thought that was because in the back of my mind, I kept telling myself Tom Brady was leaving the Patriots. But I don't think Tom Brady's leaving the Patriots anymore. I think he's staying in New England. I think they'll get him a couple of weapons. He'll shut up. He'll be happy. Whatever. Who cares? This opens up the door for other teams. I think the Raiders, almost at Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders now, still uncomfortable to say. I think they stick with Derek Carr or shock people and trade up for a quarterback. I would love to see them trade up for Tua Tungabailoa. I think if they can do that, that would be the coolest thing for draft night. Get Tua in Vegas. Let him sit a year behind Carr if you want. I think that's awesome. John Gruden would love it for sure. Um, and the Raiders aren't – they could say whatever they want. They're not kidding um, anyone. We we know they don't like Derek Carr as much as they might say they do. So let's just say the Raiders either keep Carr for the year or draft a quarterback, get them off the board. I'm starting to think that the Colts are going to make a run after Phillip Rivers. Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator. So, okay, Colts are out of the question. Titans, let's say they keep Tannehill out of the question. Buccaneers now, that's the interesting one. Something tells me that the Buccaneers are going to just keep Winston for one more year, see if there's some magic left there. And I think a guy to look out for in the draft that fits Arians' scheme is Jacob Eason, who I don't personally like, but he's got a big arm. And Bruce Arians loves quarterbacks with big arms. That might fit there. Miami Dolphins, I think they're taking a quarterback, whether it's Herbert, whether it's Tua, they'll take someone. Who knows? Maybe they trade up for Burrow. Cincy, Burrow, gone. Chicago, they like Trubisky. They're not going to be spending as, you know, 20-something million dollars on, on Teddy. 
this opens the door for the Chargers. And this is why I think the Chargers are actually the team that's going to make the run for Teddy. And I think they're actually a good fit for Teddy. For starters, he'll have two good receivers. You got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams. Doesn't really get that much better compared to all the other teams on the market. Second, he's going to be with a coach that has a, you know, a good contract on him where he's going to be with Anthony Lynn for a while. Anthony Lynn's a respected man around the league. And then just look around the running game. You'll have Eckler. Maybe they re-sign Gordon. Eckler and Gordon with Allen and Williams, giving that to Teddy. Those are the type of weapons that Teddy needs. Teddy needs a good cast around him. And if you give him that, he will absolutely succeed. That might be it. And I think the Chargers, what makes sense about them is they made the playoffs the year before. Looked great. Made the second round. Lost in the divisional round of the Patriots. Then they just tailed off this year. But injuries were, was a big part of it. And the other part of it was just Phillip Rivers stunk. Teddy Bridgewater is better than Phillip Rivers now. I think that's an upgrade for the Chargers. Who's to say the Chargers won't give him three-year $70 million, um, and let him rock out? And I think that might be where he goes. That, that would be my guess. Um, but like I said, I think Drew leaving, obviously, opens the door for Teddy to leave. And if Teddy's going to leave, I think the Chargers are an interesting spot. And the funny thing is the Chargers play the Saints next year. So we would get a chance for Teddy to face Breeze. I think that'd be fun. Um but that would be something. I, I think it would. Uh, and I think that's just a spot for Teddy where he'll have good weapons. He'll he'll be able to be with a coach that has a good contract on him where he doesn't have to go in a situation where they're both playing for their jobs. You don't have to worry about that. Um, warm weather, that's a big thing. Um, and, and that's why I think you'll see Teddy on the Chargers next year. I fully believe it. Um, so we'll come back to that if that, that ends up happening in March when free agency opens. Now, what does Drew Brees coming back mean for Taysom? Not a damn thing. The only thing it means for Taysom is that he will not be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. That's it. Because here's the bottom line with Taysom, and people are going to keep arguing with it on Twitter. And honestly, if you keep arguing with it, you're just proving uh, how dense these non-Saints fans are when it comes to New Orleans. Every Saints fan knows they're going to put a tender on him, whether it's a first or second round tender, because at the end of the day, Taysom's valuable, and the Saints know it. So either someone's going to think he's a quarterback, or the Saints are just going to have him for a very reasonable salary, and they can use him as a backup, as a wide receiver, as a tight end, as a special teams player. Wherever the hell they want to use him, they could put him. He could be an assistant coach if he wants. That's how valuable this guy is. Now, the, the matter at hand is whether or not they're going to use a first-round tender or a second-round tender. But regardless of what happens, the Saints put themselves in a position where they can either get a high draft pick for Taysom Hill or keep Taysom Hill and match whatever offer he gets, or even better, they just, you know, they keep him on the tender price, which I think the first round tender is about $5 million for the year, which is a pretty good deal for a guy like Taysom Hill, you, who you can move all over the field. So I don't think it means a thing. If you want, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to plug him anyway. Adam Schefter's podcast had Taysom Hill on. R- really decent interview, in my opinion, um, especially towards the end when they're talking about Taysom uh, and what he views himself as going into free agency, what he wants to do. And obviously he makes it clear he, he sees himself as a quarterback. But he said, I'm in no rush to leave New Orleans. He loves Coach Payton, loves playing with Drew Brees. Actually said he's really happy Drew Brees came back, which most people would be like, you know, crap, he's taking the job that I wanted. But they have a very strong connection. I think Taysom knows deep down having Brees back for another year would only help him if he's ever going to make that leap to being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And last thing here before I go into a really quick break for this first half of the show, what makes Taysom, uh, in my opinion, really special um, and why I think this season with him and Drew Brees is going to work is that Taysom, you're only going to up the usage and he's so good in the plays that you use him in. I think the Saints can get away 
with going 12, 15 snaps a game with Taysom at quarterback. And not only are you kind of not load managing Drew Brees, but you are making it a little bit you know less strenuous on his body. You're also getting Taysom a little bit more acclimated to being a starter. And at the end of the day, Taysom's valuable. You get good plays out of him. And that's when Sean Payton's very creative as well. So I think we could see Taysom playing a decent amount, even though he won't be the starter for the Saints in 2020. Um, but anyway, when we come back from the second for the second half of the show, I'm going to break down what this means for the actual team, whether the window's open to win a championship, what Drew Brees' contract might look like, and what moves the Saints would need to make if they're going to win a ring and possibly Drew Brees' last season with the New Orleans Saints, all coming up right after the break. And welcome back inside the second half of Big Easy in the Big Apple. Once again, your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report and follow me on Instagram at Big Easy underscore Big Apple. If you do so, you're a Saints fan. I will follow you back. That's how it always goes. That's how it always will be. Um, and also, while you're at it, if you like the podcast, if you like what's going on with the interviews, with the analysis, everything, make sure to support the podcast. You can with uh, various tiers um, and anything you do. Obviously, I will be very grateful for it as well. Um, and also look out for, for new content and different ideas in the future. I'm thinking of installing like a call line for you guys as well. Get your question in and we can answer that on a weekly basis. So that will definitely be something to experiment with this offseason. But anyway, back to what's at hand here. Drew Brees coming back. What does this mean? What can his salary look like? Well, here's the deal. And I thought this part's really interesting. So Drew Brees' 2020 cap hit automatically starts at $15.9 million because of his previous signing bonus and restructure. Anything new, any salary that he gets, adds on from there in terms of his cap hit. The Saints can obviously, you know, wiggle around this, finagle it whatever way they want, and, and put voidable years, and make sure that the cap hit for this season is not bad, so they have more space than they, you know, the projections show right now, and they could add talent to a team that's trying to win um, while Drew is the quarterback. And that probably is the scenario that they'll go with. There is also a scenario where the Saints, if they really want to, can just eat all the cap hit now and take it while Drew's here. And then when he's gone, they don't have it. Why I don't think that's realistic is because if Drew's coming back, you have to get the help that he needs in order to win a, a championship. And maybe they don't want to kick the can down the road, but I kind of find that hard to believe. Mickey Loomis has been kicking that can down the road for about, I'd say, six, seven years, so maybe longer. And why stop now? Kick the can down the road at this point. Get more help for this team, although they don't need much. And we'll see what happens. If, if they have to eat whatever that cap hit is, whatever Drew's gone, and it will be large, I think the luxury that they might have is either they'll have a Taysom on a relatively cheap contract or a rookie on a rookie contract where – we all know those first year, those uh, first deals that you get coming into the NFL aren't that big at all. That's why teams like the Chiefs and the Rams were able to make the Super Bowl with Mahomes and with Goff because rookie deals stack the rest of the roster, maximize your potential as a team. There you go. Where the Saints, it's almost like you're paying you know a lot for the quarterback position, but you get away with it because you'd have a rookie or Taysom on that contract. Um, so I, I, if I'm the Saints, I'm not worrying about paying up front right now. Do what you have to do to make the team better for 2020 and figure out the cap issue later. Now, are the Saints still a contender? That's probably the question that everyone's asking. 
Um, and I know a lot of you are very quick to answer this. You're either saying yes because Drew Brees back or you are still pessimistic about how last year ended and you're saying no. Here's the deal. The Saints technically are still a contender because the NFC is so crazy in the sense that it could be anyone's year and there's going to be unpredictable teams and there's going to be teams that drop off like the Rams did this past season. And, and then you have teams like the Bears who you thought were going to take the jump and instead they actually went backwards, which is weird. Um, you have the 49ers who took the leap going up, which was, was, was pretty incredible. So I think the NFC, as unpredictable as it is, there's always a couple of teams that are mainstays. And why not pick the team that is in a division right now that is in a lot of trouble? For starters, the Buccaneers, they got to re-sign Shaq Barrett. They don't have a quarterback that they like. Are we sure that they really like their defensive uh, personnel right now? Are we sure that Bruce Arians has that much more patience? He is in his 60s. The man's eventually going to retire. When's that going to happen? How about the, the Panthers? No more Greg Olson. No more Luke Keekley. Cam Newton's probably on his way out. So there goes the three guys who were like the faces of the franchise for the last couple of years. They're gone. Yeah, you got McCaffrey, but what else do you have after that? I think this is going to be a rebuilding year under Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule knows it. And guess what? It's okay. He got a seven-year contract. He's got time. He doesn't have to panic. How about the Falcons? The Falcons are in one of the worst cap situations this year. There are three teams who have terrible cap situations in my mind. The Steelers, the Vikings, the Falcons. The Falcons are going to have to get rid of Devontae Freeman just to get you know a, a little bit of breathing room in free agency. So imagine that. You have to get rid of a valuable player to your offense just because you need a little breathing room elsewhere, and that will hurt them getting rid of Freeman. I know they got Edo Smith and they got options out there, but getting rid of Freeman will hurt, and someone will gladly take him uh, when he hits the market, when that inevitably happens, um, and that will hurt the Falcons because it will hurt their running game, it will hurt their passing game, hurt your locker room a little bit. I just The NFC South is for the taking right now. Why can't the Saints just win it again? I, I clearly see a route for them there. But the question is, can they be a Super Bowl team? Well, in order to do that, they're going to need four things in my mind, and let's break them down. The first one, a wide receiver, two that takes the top off of a defense. That's important. And the most important part is taking the top off the defense. The Saints don't need another guy that's just going to run short routes and do this and do that. What they need is someone who, when Brees hits them, they have the ability to take it from five yards to 30, five yards to 40, five yards to 20. I don't care what it is. Yards after the catch is important. And the good thing is the Saints can find that in the draft. And I actually put out today on Twitter, again, check it out at Rosvogel Report, uh, five receivers who will not be first-round picks that I like, um, in my opinion. If I'm the Saints, I would take a a close look at them. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who... It's going to be a second-round pick, so the Saints would have to trade in to get it or trade back to get him. Van Jefferson, Florida. I think you guys have had enough of me you know, raving about Van Jefferson. I've already said my piece about him. He's a hell of a player, like really, really good, um, and I would love to see him on the Saints. K.J. Hill from Ohio State because, one, he's quick. Two, he's got great release from the line of scrimmage. And three, he's from Ohio State. The Saints have had success there. Denzel Mims, big body great down the field in contested catches, really like his tape. And Isaiah Hodgins is one of those guys that just does it all. You look at his numbers at Oregon State, really good player. Really good in the red zone too, which is what really impressed me as well with Isaiah Hodgins. He'll be at the combine. You could see him there um, and, and get a close look at him. And those are just some names. Those are not all of them. I love a lot of receivers in this draft. I like James Prochet from SMU, Antonio Gandy-Golden from uh, Liberty. So many names. And then the first rounders, of course, too, like Justin Jefferson from LSU. But... I'm talking about non-first rounders, but either way, the Saints need a wide receiver that can take the top off of the defense, and the draft might be an outlet. Another outlet, free agency. 
And I'm not talking about Robbie Anderson, maybe A.J. Green, who the Saints had interest in trading for. Uh, maybe that's an option there. Maybe they want a Brashad Perriman. There are going to be guys where the Saints, if they really want to, can upgrade that receiving core. And let me tell you something about this Saints team. And I think Sean Payton knew, he knew right away after the playoffs. He kind of hinted that they know which areas they need to, uh, to get better at and which positions they need to fix. And he knows damn well that outside of Michael Thomas, he doesn't have a wide receiver who can make a play. They got Jerry Cook, they got Alvin Kamara, but they don't have a wide receiver outside of Michael Thomas who's going to make a play. I, I think the Saints will fix that area in the offseason uh, and a position of need will hopefully become a position of strength. Now, potential upgrade at offensive guard, that's going to be tough because if the Saints don't want to pay Pete, well, it's not like they could just play uh, pay Brandon Sheriff from uh, Washington because he's going to be more expensive. He's going to demand a high salary. But what the Saints can do, possibly, is save at that position in terms of money, but get a very good replacement. Someone who I interviewed um, last weekend, uh, I'll eventually put the interview on the podcast for you guys to listen to him because he was great. Damian Lewis from LSU, who you guys I know all love. That's a tough dude who at left guard might be the answer for the Saints. Maybe the Saints get the uh, you know interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin. Um, that could be an option. There are, there, are, there are definitely chances there. They also still have Nick Easton. They still have Clapp. But either way, if they can stay either where they are at offensive guard or upgrade, um, and if they can stay where they are without spending as much money, that's key. That's definitely something the Saints have to do. But I don't think they could go out and pay Pete what he's going to get from someone else. Let him get that $12 million a year from someone else. Do not make it be you because he was a big reason why they lost against Minnesota, um, if we're being honest. So definitely have to figure that out. Third one, more playmakers in the secondary. It sounds like, judging off John Hendricks' recent tweet, and if you're not following John, make sure you do. He's a great follow for Saints Twitter. He said that Eli Apple's receiving a lot of interest from other teams on the open market, not the Saints. What that tells me, Saints value Janoris Jenkins. Maybe the Saints are able to restructure with Jenkins, get him for a little bit cheaper, and let him run across of uh, you know opposite of Marshawn Lattimore. That'd be a good fit. The Saints still need playmakers, though, in the secondary. Marcus Williams, I totally blast him all the time, but he at least can force a couple of interceptions. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson laid the boom with that forced fumble against Tennessee later in the season. Let's see what he can do with another year. And I'm sorry, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. i got to stop calling him Chauncey. Um, he, he could definitely be a playmaker there. We know what Marshawn brings to the table. Um, can the Saints add a veteran presence or a younger guy in the secondary where – Things start to change, and this play, this guy doesn't need to be the best tackler in the world. Doesn't need to be, you know, the the you know, uh, completely versatile. But find a way to just force turnovers. Um, what I loved so much about what Kansas City did this year, they went out and they got Tyron Matthew, and the Honey Badger played so well for that team. And without him, they're not making the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So, can the Saints find not you know a Honey Badger, but a guy who you can move around if you need to, or just a guy if you put him in that role in that one specific spot, albeit whether it's a slot, safety position, he can force turnovers. That's important for this team. And the fourth thing the Saints need, and this is the most important thing, they need a little luck. You do not win in this league without a little luck. It's the way the ball bounces. It's the way the seeding comes out. It's the way the playoff matchups are set. Everything matters in this league. And let me tell you why everything matters in this league. The Kansas City Chiefs were going to be the three seed heading into the last week of the season. New England loses to the Miami Dolphins at home, stuns everyone. 
Kansas City goes from the three seed to the two seed. You get a bye week, one less playoff game to play in order to make the Super Bowl. That's already a win. Kansas City then plays a Houston team that barely beat Buffalo. And Buffalo was probably the better team all around. Houston just had the better quarterback because Deshaun Watson's great. Kansas City beats Houston. The only team that was considered better than Kansas City at that time in the AFC, Baltimore. Baltimore gets upset by Tennessee, who doesn't have an attack, a passing attack, or an offense that could keep up with Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mahomes and the Chiefs play the Titans. They beat the Titans. They play the 49ers. And sure, yeah, they don't. it's not like you get lucky to face the 49ers. The 49ers are a great team, so that's where the luck stops there. But luck plays a factor. Look at the Packers. Packers get the two seed instead of the Saints. Packers get to play a banged up Seahawks team and a Packers team that, in everyone's opinion, outside of Green Bay people, wasn't good, made the NFC Championship game. Why? Because it's luck. If the Saints got the two seed, guess what? The Saints end up playing a banged up Seattle team. And if the Saints play a banged up Seattle team and they win that game, they play San Francisco in a rematch of what was a really fun game back in December. Like everything needs to bounce your way in order to win a Super Bowl. And the Saints know that better than anyone. The Saints, when they won their Super Bowl, it's a Brett Favre bad throw here. You know, it, it's beating a Cardinals team that was exhausted against Green Bay in an overtime game the week before. It's an onside kick that bounces your way in a Super Bowl that you win. Everything matters. And the Saints can go upgrade their wide receiving corps. They can go upgrade their offensive line. They can upgrade their second. They can do whatever they want. But at the end of the day, you still need a little bit of luck because unlike the NBA, unlike the MLB, unlike the NHL, unlike the freaking Champions League, if anyone even cares about soccer, it's win or go home and it's one game elimination and it's any given freaking Sunday. And if the Saints played the Vikings this past season in a three-game series, Saints win two out of three. Guess what? They lost the one that so happened to be on that Sunday. And it sucks. It absolutely sucks. But that's just the reality when it comes to football. You need a little luck. This Saints team is good. Now they need a little luck if they're going to go take this home and win in Drew Brees' final season, possibly, not definitely, but possibly final season with the New Orleans Saints. But anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy and the Big Apple. Thanks again, guys, so much for listening. Of course, I had to get this one out there for you. I felt like I owed it to you, especially with the Drew Brees news coming in. But anyway, enjoy the rest of your week. If something obviously breaking happens, I will have an emergency podcast for it. Um, but until then... Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and really excited to see what happens this offseason with the New Orleans Saints. It should be a good one. But once again, guys, take care.